0: Sometimes Satan so tempts me. By the way, when was the last time that you heard an Episcopal bishop or a priest for that matter open a sermon by using the word Satan in the first sentence? (laughs) I'll say it again. Sometimes Satan so tempts me. Now, October is stewardship time in many of our congregations, and I think here also at St. Peter's, if I'm not mistaken. And if there ever were a gospel that could benefit from a satanic stewardship explanation or a false exegesis, as we call it in church language, it is today's. When we learn that 10%, that is, one out of 10 people, is just enough for Jesus to accept thankfulness. Now you know how to calculate your financial gift to the church. And I can go on with what today's lessons are probably really about. Today's lessons from the second book of Kings and the Gospel of Luke are, on their face, healing stories, both about skin diseases and how God heals such an illness prescriptive water or going to see a specialist. But let's be honest healing stories were an entire genre of miracles performed by spiritual leaders in Palestine during both of the times in which these lessons were written down. And the healers usually had a God who was in charge of such things. Sort of like today's miracle workers on TV. So the reason that these lessons are in the Bible is not primarily because they're about physical healing. Because so-called supernatural healing in those days was not unique to Jesus. And they're not really about the level of faith that's necessary for one to be healed, especially on the hills of last week's gospel. If you'd heard my sermon a week ago, you'd have heard that I said that focusing on the necessity of large amounts of faith as a way out of our daily troubling lives is not really the center of Christian practice. Something else is going on in these two lessons and it's not about doctor's visits or more faith than we might have. I think rather It's about God's love being shown as far more universal than we want to imagine. To get to the heart of this truth, it might help you to pull out one of those maps that may be in the back of your Bibles at home. And there I go again, being someone who talks about Episcopalians who own and read Bibles. I do commend the practice, though, especially using a good annotated Bible, and after church I can recommend some versions. Now, geographically speaking, both of these lessons reference what some people would say are bad parts of the world. In the Old Testament lesson, we read about Aram, or as today, it is called Syria. And both lessons mention Samaria, the territory north of Jerusalem that had a long history in Jewish thought as being a place you didn't want to live in or be from. More locally and contemporarily, Think of communities in which nice people do not live, places marked by being on the wrong side of railroad tracks or highways. Or more to the point this week, think of Syria itself today, where war is being raged as we speak over the loyalties of various ethnic groups of people who view each other with suspicion, fear, and disdain, all the way from the border of Turkey down into Israel itself. These are the very areas that the writers of Scripture use to make their point about God. In contrast to many of today's political and religious warriors who have the ears of the administration in Washington, today's Old Testament lesson does not take sides in any sort of holy war. Instead, the very first part of that lesson says that God has given victory to the Aramaeans, presumably victory over Israel, Syria, conquering israel and the person who is healed in that story is an aramean military officer who could have been one of the very people victorious over the israelites in border skirmishes or in different wording the writer of hebrew scripture states that god apparently likes those people as much as our people in other words god loves our enemies And then there's that gospel. Don't assume that the men who are cured of leprosy consist of nine good people and one bad person, namely that Samaritan. They may have all been Samaritans for all that we know. The gospel doesn't tell us. What we do know is that Jesus desires healing for every last one of them, even if they are not his kind, not his kindred. And indeed, they are all healed because God loves all in that we are the inheritors of this sacred scripture, what the lessons are telling us is that divine goodness extends to everyone. Those outside the boundaries of our limited love are still within the boundaries of God's love. Now let's get personal. I know that I am preaching to one of the most liberal congregations in this diocese. I am not certain whether you would win gold, silver, or bronze in the liberal competition, but you'd certainly be on the platform. You and I love to talk about people who are on the margins. What we liberals have to come to grips with is that God loves people whom we dislike in our political correctness as much as God loves us. That's a hard lesson to learn. God loves conservatives as much as liberals. The resurrected Jesus shows up as much in the bodies of Republicans as Democrats, in Jason Rapert and in Joyce Elliott. And I'm not joking. All must be loved as God's own self. God crosses boundaries just as God did in today's lessons. In part, what Holy Scripture is doing for us today is trying to keep us away from what I would call causes. It is so easy to latch on to a cause and in the process forget about the broad expanse of God's grace and love. Causes tend to narrow the focus of our vision. Causes establish borders, establish lines in the sand. We are right and someone else is wrong. James Baldwin, someone who from his own experience knew a lot more about causes than most people and had seen them in a world of white supremacy, said that causes, both liberal and conservative, often become bloodthirsty and we know what bloodthirstiness looks like. It brings death. But the good news is that God indeed crosses boundaries and has only one cause, so to speak, the appearance of the peaceable kingdom. We as individuals really need to hear that good news when we feel on the outside. When we are figurative Aramaeans or Samaritans feeling as if we are on the wrong side of whatever border or boundary we've set for ourselves or that others have set for us. And what we need as a church is to hear that good news of boundary crossing when we're too quick to see the failures of others somehow we must let all those other people know that we are willing to see the face of Christ in them. We can only imagine what the results might be. If history is any indicator, we have rarely tried to see if such loving kindness actually works. But when Jesus practiced it in today's gospel, the result was health. One of the great miracles of the 20th century was that for the first time we could take pictures of the entire earth from space. And the view was, I have to say, much as God sees us on this planet, no dividing lines, no boundaries, simply a creation that was one day eons ago called good. That view of this earth is what our authors of sacred scripture are sharing with us today, setting aside the human maps, sometimes literal, often psychological, that separate people into good or bad, valuable Or worthless, us and them. We'll finally understand what the kingdom of God looks like when we do the same. Amen.